And welcome to another edition of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emery Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. And if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, which you should, be sure to leave us a five-star rating. And today, we're actually not joined by a coach this time. We're joined by a football player, professional football player, one guy that I follow a lot throughout the course of his career. And that's Jeff Matthews, the quarterback of the Toronto Organized. Jeff, I appreciate you taking time. Emery, always good to talk talk with you, man. It's been, uh, been a long time. Uh, you know, we've had a little bit of a connection, so it's good to get on the show. I appreciate what y'all are doing. Right. You brought it up. It's been, what, four, I want to say 2014, um, you know, since we last connected, and it was throughout your college career. I followed you at Cornell. Um, I remember the first game I had saw you was against Yale, and I was sitting there like, wow, this guy is really shrinking the field by how hard he's throwing the football. Um mm-hmm. And so I followed you there, followed you throughout the Shrine Game Combine. And it's been an interesting role for you, man. Like, you've been well-traveled, uh, played in the NFL preseason, and now you're up there in Canada. How has this football journey been for you? You know, it's crazy. Uh, it really is because, you know, I think you, you, you plan on doing it one way. Um, and then, obviously, just like all other plans, it doesn't really happen the exact way you want it to. So you just kind of got to give in to the journey and just be like, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is kind of the, the path that I'm on. And and uh, like you said, man, I've kind of been everywhere, I feel like. My first year out, I was in four different cities, um, you know, on practice rosters and kind of going around and stuff. And then, um, you know, other than that, you know, now up in the CFL, I've been with two different teams. And so it's been a fun ride. And like I said, you just kind of got to say, hey, this is what it is. It's not, you know, I, I, I was – just like everybody probably thought you're going to go somewhere and stay there forever. And that doesn't happen. So uh, it's a lot of fun to be in this situation and uh, you know, just to keep, keep growing and keep finding out new places uh, to go and meet new people. So it's been a lot of fun. And it's, it's one of those things where it probably has taught you a lot. I know football alone teaches you a lot. So uh, what has football and also this whole experience has taught you? You know, as far as football goes, it's been uh, something in my life that's been constant, you know, since I've been shoot, uh, fourth grade or something when I started. So, um, you know, it's something that you love and you put a lot of work into and you just want to find uh, success in it as much as you can. And, and uh, you know, that led me to Cornell where I met unbelievable people and unbelievable uh, a kind of a journey there. And it was so much fun um to play there and to to be around that university and then you know as we keep going i mean the game teaches you so much but as you get older um you know it's really about the people that you run into i've been blessed to to be around unbelievable teammates and some of them are my best friends and uh, a lot of them you know you just kind of you know find find things that you guys can bond over and you know there's so many guys in the locker room especially now in the, in the pros that, you know, you find common connections with people and you learn from people and you try to help people when you can. And so that, that connection has been great. And then coaches uh, throughout the way, I've had a good co- uh, connection with a lot of coaches for the last shoot eight, eight years almost. So it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed the process and, and the people kind of just like anything, make it, uh, you know, as good as it can be. And I feel like you're, you're the one to, uh, kick off this this new Ivy League renaissance, man, because I think it started with you. The next thing you know, you start to see guys like, you know, Morgan Roberts, Quinn Epperly, uh, Dalen Williams. Last year you had Alec Torgerson, and this year you got Chad Kanoff of uh, of Princeton. Uh, what is it about the Ivy League that has sort of become this incubator for good quarterbacks? <laughs> well, you know, um, 
you know, for me, when I went there, I didn't have any other options. That's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about Cornell when I was being recruited. And, and, and that was the only place that even offered me. And, and obviously, you don't know, do scholarships, but as close to that as possible. And uh, it kind of just worked out where I, you know, really, you know, it gave me an opportunity to play early. And I, I was able to play a lot and get a lot of experience early. And then, shoot, man, like you said, there's been so many, you know, good quarterbacks. Even before me, you have – you know, there's a good lineage at, at Harvard. Uh, you had Fitzpatrick, a couple other guys in there. Uh, you know, a couple guys from Dartmouth that made it. And then, so, you know, there's always been uh, something about the Ivy League that, you know, I think you have people there, and I think people look at it maybe as a second-class league in some respects, but it that's mainly because guys don't go to the playoffs. So if you could see these teams compete against every other one double-A team, I think – uh, they'd be a lot uh, better for the for the players moving forward in their career. But um, shoot, man, it's been it was it was a great time there. I learned so much, and I got to play a lot, and it was an unbelievable experience. And it's fun to see these other guys now coming up, uh, you know, balling like they are. So you know, I follow the league pretty closely. It's it's fun to see these guys, and you know, it's also fun to see Cornell uh, knock off some teams last year. So it's it's a great <laughs> league, man, and I'm I'm forever indebted to being a part of it. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Dalton Banks, too. I like the way he throws the football. It's like this guy ignores mistakes. He's right back at it throwing. Hopefully he has a, a good year. When, you, when you're looking at the For quarterback sure. position, um, you know, a lot of guys like to call themselves QB experts. So I'm scouting the position. I know what I'm looking for. But it, it's really one of those things that it, it takes one to know one. So I just want to ask you as a former running back, when you're looking at the quarterback position, if you were a scout, how would you – what would you look at first, and how would you break down that position in order from a scouting perspective? I mean, as you get older, you learn so much more uh, from a player's. You know, when you're a player, uh, when you're young, you're just trying to do everything you can to win. And I think as you grow, you realize the situational football uh, is so important. Um, and I think that understanding, you know, if I was a scout looking at that, how do guys understand situations in the game? And that and that would, to me, signal just a very high IQ of football. If you understand, hey, this guy can execute a two-minute drill. This guy knows, hey, uh, you know, he can execute a four-minute drill when we're up at the end of a game. He knows how to manage those situations. And I think game manager gets put on people, and, and it's almost negative. But I think just understanding the situations that you're in, knowing that it's third down and eight, and you need to, you know, get it to where you need to get it to to get a first down, all those little things – uh, are big to me because it shows a lot of football IQ. So when you watch the best of the best, you know, you see they always execute in those situations. And then, you know, I was a big guy. I wasn't very uh, overly athletic, but, um, you know, shoot, a guy who can just throw the football is always huge to me because that that's what always comes down to in the position. Um, you got to have a guy who can, you know, have a big game passing the ball and be accurate against good defensive players, uh, you know, to get his guys' receptions down the field and move the ball. So I always look at, you know, whether it's arm strength and accuracy or just, you know, being unbelievably accurate, those things uh, really lead to, you know, moving the ball and, and helping your offense and, and consequently winning games. So those are really the two things that I look at. Is the guy smart? Does he understand the game? And man, can he? When you really need it, can he spin it? And he can? Can he get it to somebody who's going to get a first down, uh, or a touchdown, or you know, just keep moving the ball down the field? So those are the kind of the, the main things that I always look at. And I think it gets, you know, there's so many different aspects of being a quarterback that you could nitpick any of them. But when I look at it, you know, can the guy really spin it? Can he put the ball where he wants to put it? And is he smart enough to understand 
uh, football, his football IQ is high enough that he understands situations in the game. Yeah, situational football is, is huge, man. And you saw you guys up there uh, at Toronto do that a lot uh, this season. And I would be yeah. remiss if I didn't uh, mention that you guys actually are great cup champions. How cool is that? It's cool, man. You know, uh, you know, we had Ricky Ray's a uh, quarterback legend up here in the CFL, man. And he was a great guy to learn from and be behind. And, and he really, you know, was able to, uh, you know, really teach a lot through, through how he plays, how he prepares and all that stuff. So it was an unbelievable journey. And again, man, it's something special about that. There's something special about being on top, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a fun league to be a part of, and to, to reach that success uh, is great. And, uh, you know, I, I keep working. Now you're kind of working to get back there. You know, when you have those moments, you just try everything you can now to get back to it. So <laughs> it's fun, man. And you guys definitely earned it last year because in that game, I want to say it was what, a blizzard you guys played in? <laughs> man, a blizzard. I'm out here in Montana, man. And we don't get blizzards like that out here. It, was hard. it wasn't even a blizzard. It was a full full snowstorm, man. It was crazy. <laughs> It was the day before the snow still on the field. We come out pregame. There's two inches and it's snowing. I mean, we're getting like two inches every 45 minutes. It felt like so. It just kept snowing throughout the game. It was uh, <laughs> it was a crazy one, man. But those are fun to play. We I had one actually when I was in college, well, very similar to that when we played Princeton, and uh, it was snowing so bad there. And I just remember being so cold and we. And Coach Austin uh, came over and said, hey, we're still going to spin it. So <laughs> we ended up throwing it like 30 times in that blizzard or something. But, uh, shoot, man, th those games are a lot of fun when you win them. Right. Uh, <laughs> when you don't, they're just cold. But when you win them, that you can look back and say, hey, that was kind of fun. Man, we, we, many people probably, I would say not many, but the majority of people uh, tend to toss out there, oh, so-and-so can go just go up to the CFL. But, but we both know it's a totally different game, man, and – and as a quarterback, what were some of the, the major adjustments you had to make to your game and how quickly were you able to get acclimated to, to the CFL style? You know, the, the, um, the CFL game, you're, you're completely right. It's so different, especially for a quarterback. It's, uh, uh, you're, the one thing that I think is overlooked is because there's 12 guys on the field, because your receivers are moving towards the line of scrimmage, um, all your eye fixes are a little bit different because the defensive backs – um, and I don't want to say it the wrong way, but they play a little bit more like uh, to trick you or a little bit like lazy in the sense that, um, you know, they don't have to be in a certain spot because the field's so big that, you know, they know they have to get to a zone or whatever, but receivers are moving. So DBs are always moving. So your eye fixes uh, pre-snap are incredibly different. When the, when the play starts, you kind of know where you're looking. You kind of know what uh, defenders are keying, so you can kind of pick that up. But that's the one thing when I started, I remember thinking like, man, I have pre-snap. You're like, I almost have no idea what coverage they're playing. You know what I mean? Because guys move so much. There's so much movement. Now when you get older, uh, you find keys and you kind of figure it out a little bit more. But uh, that's the one thing that I think is so different. I mean, it's still the throws may be a little bit bigger at times. Uh, you know, you're throwing a hitch to the field. Shoot, that's almost like a, you know, a 40-yard throw now. You right. know what I mean? And, and you got to make sure your corner's off and you got to make sure all these things and no one's running under it because that throws so much bigger. Um, but, you know, we, we have a great staff in Toronto also who, who kind of uh, understand those things from the quarterback spot. So they put you in good positions to be successful. And then um, but the one thing that, that I always think is, is not talked about enough from the quarterback position is the eye fixes are different. You, you, you know, when you're down south, um, you know, you can stop 
uh, any tape almost right before the snap and, and have a really good idea they're doing this or they're doing one of two things. Up here, it's a little bit different. It's, um, you know, you know by scouting what they like to do in certain situations, but, um, you know, down to down, sometimes it's difficult to see, uh, you know, especially when you're first up here, all the, all the eye fixes and all the movement, uh, you know, that, that you're accustomed to down south. That's a great point because I try to make that point to, uh, you know, we're in we're in draft season, so I'm in my full scout mm-hmm. mode, right? And, Fair, yeah. and and so people are going back and forth with me about the whole Saquon Barkley doesn't have vision. I'm like, yes, he does, but I, it, it's tied directly to the point you made about your eye fixes. When back when I played, it was mostly eye formation. You behind a quarterback, so you're mm-hmm. seeing both sides of the line of scrimmage, left to right. But nowadays, guys are alongside you guys, so they're trained to look you know, one way and also stuff is happening quicker because they're not seven and a half yards back there. What four yards right next to you. So right. you, you really got to rely on, let's say your guards to, to make something happen quick so you can see it and go. Mm-hmm. So it, does that kind of happen when you're out? That's, is, does that sort of the same thing you're talking about when you get up there in the CFL and now guys are okay. Yeah. They look like they're in cover three, but then you look down, you look back up. And now everybody done moved, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the movement happens because the receivers are coming to the line. So they're, they're, they know or have a pretty decent idea when you're going to snap the ball, you know, because you know those guys at the line, they can't go over and you can't, you know what I mean? You want to snap it when they're hitting full speed. So when those guys run at the line, so those defenders have that little extra count to get around. But going back to the running back thing, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think, um, you know, any, any you know, big-time back wants to carry the ball a lot and they want, um, you know, the ability to, to kind of make plays and not be set in, uh, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this. But like you said, the shotgun game has changed the game for running backs. Um, and, uh, you know, being close to the line of scrimmage, like you said, you have a guard pole or something on any power or trap play and, you know, you got to really trust that and you got to get in there. So that, that's interesting to see too. Um and, and I had a, actually really – my roommate this year played – he was a quarterback at Nevada. And, you know, they do that pistol. And he was talking about how it changes the game for a running back. Even the pistol helps a little bit to kind of get back to that old-style uh, downhill run game. So I think that's always one of the challenges in every offense too, uh, especially up in the CFL, is how are we going to get a run game going, um, you know, and, and what's the best way to do it. And, and you know, I think uh, out of the shotgun, it definitely makes it more difficult uh, than than a traditional eye or, you know, when you can put the back back a little bit deeper and let him use his vision a little bit more. Now, uh, I want to clear this up, too, because I was up there in May for the for their East-West Bowl. You know how they play their all, yeah. college all-star game yeah. before the season. And so so I picked up the ball. I'm like, I, I want to, you know, throw it right back to the States. I'm like, listen, dude. This ball is definitely bigger than the ones that we play with in the states. Now, for you, is the ball bigger or is it smaller or is it the same size? You know that. that you know what's funny is our quarterbacks have that debate all the time. Especially we get new guys up every year, so you're you know guys are constantly transferring from an NFL ball or from a college ball or from whatever. And uh, I think a big part of that is you really do. You know, you kind of get accustomed to this ball, and uh, I think you know you're saying it's bigger. I think. It's a little bit, it's almost shorter, but it's a little bit fatter maybe. Right. But, you know, I, I, the one thing, you know, I've been very blessed uh, with big hands. So uh, grabbing the ball has never really been uh, too tricky. And I can always kind of find it. But uh, we have that debate also. And I think it's <laughs> ongoing. I don't think anybody really knows, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> the one thing is, man, the consistency of every ball. The NFL is unbelievable. You, get, you can get 
200 balls and they all feel exactly the same. Up here, it's a little bit different. You're kind of working with different balls and they age a little bit differently and all these things. So uh, it may be dependent on the ball a little bit too. But man, uh, it, that's funny you bring that up because we have that debate too. I, I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me at all. But some guys think, oh, this is this is way bigger than I'm used to down south. So uh, I've, I've heard both sides of it. I'm still unconvinced on either of them, to be honest. You know, I think you may be right, though, because it, it does feel like the, the points are shorter, but a, mm-hmm. the circumference is, is a little bit bigger. It's like I can't really get my hand around it. I have pretty big hands, but mm-hmm. I'm like, there's something different about this different, ball. Different. Yeah. <laughs> we can all agree that it's a little bit different. You know, the one thing about it, too, is they have the stripe that goes all the way around. Mm-hmm. So if you don't throw a spiral, that thing looks <laughs> ugly. In you're there. Right. You see, you're, you don't you see circles. You're seeing these oblong shapes going everywhere, and it's like, hmm. You know, you watch that on film. You even see it on film sometimes where it's like, oh, that wasn't a spiral. That wasn't a good ball. <laughs> but that part of it's funny. That's the only part of the ball that, that I think the quarterbacks really notice too much is, man, when you don't throw a good ball, when you don't throw a spiral, it looks kind of ugly, doesn't it? It, it dies quickly. What, what what's another um cfl myth that you you want to debunk out here for folks man oh man you know i what give me give, what do you guys think you know i've been up there so long now i i kind of I'm, I'm so in tune with like the canadian fan side of it so you kind of get pulled into all of it anyway so i started <laughs> believing them when i got up there but what do you guys think down south what's the kind of the the thoughts down south a lot of people feel as though i, I think they think the game up there is slower i'm like just on mm. its surface, that's a that's a myth because you're dealing with lighter players, it, it, let's say, along yeah. the defensive line. So the game is just as fast as it is down south. It might be even faster. Right. You know, the the so the actual player speed, I think, is comparable. We get a lot of guys up here. I mean, the really good players up here, there's a lot of really good players who made a career up here. We got a receiver um, up here who, who could have went back down south, but, you know, he, he ended up staying up here because he liked us so much. And uh, I think the one thing about that is, man, you you have these really good players and, and, and a lot of the best players are like fringe NFL guys. So you still have that that speed is still the same of the player and all these things. And like you said, um, the field's so big that the defenders uh, have to run sideline to sideline. So a lot of times your defensive linemen, instead of pushing, you know, 290, 310, even some of those big nose tackles that you see down south, they, um, you, we get guys who are like, you know, defensive ends at like 240, 250, you know, and they use their speed and they use their quickness. And then you, your interior play is, you know, somewhere around 275. Sometimes you guys, you get guys up a little bigger than that. But um, the speed from the player is the same. And I think the tempo of the game is faster, man. I think, mm-hmm. you know, our shot clock, um, you know, starts pretty quick after the thing's gone. And you get going into this uh, really quickly, Um and then, uh, you know, you only got two downs, and then your third down, you're either punting or going for it. I mean, that's like your fourth down up there or kicking a field goal or whatever. So uh, the, the, you can have, like, you know, like five or six possessions really quickly. Because if you go two and out, two and out, two and out, I mean, that's only like eight plays. Right. And, you know, the, you, know you have, you're on the field, you're off the field, you're on the field. So the tempo of the game, I would argue, is a lot faster. I mean, the it's fun to watch, and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of friends and, and my family not watching games up there, and they like it. They like the tempo going fast, and if you're not doing anything on offense, the other team gets the ball in in a hurry, you know, and, and, and that part of it's pretty cool. That tempo is kind of fun to play in. Yeah, people just totally sleep on how different the game is. You talked about that mm-hmm. tempo. You talked about uh, even within the last, what, 
two minutes, the game is vastly different than what it is down here in the States. Yeah, you, you, I mean, it's, it's a little bit a uh, hybrid of the college game where you get, you know, your, your clock stops all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So after each play, it's not just a first down. So, you know, you have your last, it's three minutes for us. Your last three minutes is, man, it's, it can be, sometimes it feel like it's its own quarter. You know? <laughs> and you, you see some crazy things happen in the last three minutes because the clock's always stopped. So it's like, uh, you know, like now college basketball is huge right now with the March Madison. You're watching it and it's like, you see all these teams, and you're like, you know, they try to slow the game down with with free throws and all these things. And in the, in the last three minutes of the game, I can kind of equate it to that. When a team fouls and their the clock stops, then they have to run a play. So it's like you you can't run the clock out unless there's like I think the we figured out it's like 38 seconds or something like that. So until 38 seconds hits you and you have two downs to go, you can't run it out. So there's always some craziness that happens in the last three minutes of a CFL game. You see teams come back from, you know, 14 points in the last three minutes and really getting blown out the whole game and come back and win it or, or send it to OT just because that last three minutes is kind of its own own quarter there. It's crazy how that works, man. And now that you're, uh, you're going into your fourth year at the CFL, um, seeing how the game has sort of evolved at the collegiate level, uh, also here in the States and also at the NFL level, how similar – are the games now from that you've seen, you start to see a lot of the CFL kind of infiltrate the NFL and the college game. Have you? Yeah, you do. You do. You know, we, uh, our head coach, uh, Mark Tressman, you know, was with the bears for a while. And before that he won, uh, you know, three great cups in Montreal in the CFL. So you see, you see, there's a lot of coaches, believe it or not. Uh, you know, Jeff Tedford was up here, the guy from Cal. Now he's at Fresno state. And you see a lot of coaches kind of go back and forth. And I think coaches who do that um, pull some of the CFL game back with them. And you'd be surprised how many, uh, you know, guys on staffs either played in the CFL at some point in their career or maybe coached up there for a little bit and came down. And the game is different. Um, it's still football. There's, there's still the, like when you're drawing up a play, it's very similar to mm-hmm. down south. The way the defensive looks you may get. You know, at the end of the day, they're pretty similar. And, they, and um, you know, you kind of compartmentalize what you see uh, with certain things. But there are a lot of differences, too. You know, the CFL game, because you only got three downs, you have to be efficient. It, efficiency is the name of the game. So you can't just run a run play and let it go. So that, like, RPO game that you see in college all the time, that's been in the CFL for, I mean, years. That's That's been a thing that's been huge in the CFL, I want to say, for, like, 10 years. So... Um, that part of the game, you know, that now you kind of see in college and, and uh, you know, I don't want to say it came from the CFL. Maybe somebody kind of thought of it uh, independently. But, um, you know, that stuff that grows that you see, it's kind of funny because now, you know, when you watch a college game, that's all they talk about is these RPOs, these RPOs. It's like, you know, I think everybody's been doing that for a little while. I think it just kind of hit mainstream for the media to talk about it a little bit more. But it's been, you know, unbelievably prevalent in, in the CFL for a long, long time. Even at this point, man, I still feel like your game is 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 being underrated. What, what part of your game do you feel like right now is still being slept on? You know, it's funny because it, it, when you go through this thing, you always think, uh, you know, you get all sides of it, man. And I've been very blessed in my football career, you know, to be in a position where I was one of the best guys on our team and we were winning and doing all that stuff at Cornell. And then, and then now, you know, I'm not – I've started games up here – uh, I've been, you know, uh, you know, on all different parts of the roster. So, you know, as you go through it, you see, and I think the one thing 
you know, that you really learn is that you don't you don't take too much uh, to heart when you hear other people talking about it. And the best advice I ever got on that was my senior year in college. Um, and uh, Coach Archer, uh, the head coach at Cornell, is is unbelievable um, person, number one. He's a great football coach, but he's a great person. And, and I got asked in an interview, you know, the whole thing. And, and it was kind of uh, – I, I felt an unfair question where they asked me, you know, you're not playing as well this year, blah, blah, blah. In the, in, and I'm a – you know, and hit college senior. Right, right. And I'm thinking, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You know what I mean? We're doing as much as we've done in the past. We're, you know, we're still doing good things. We're still all these things. And, uh, you know, the one thing that he told me that I, that I've kind of stuck with me throughout my career is that he said, uh, you know, you got to understand who's asking the question. You know, you got to understand who's analyzing you because it doesn't matter what he thinks. It only matters what your teammates think. And it matters what your coaches think. And it matters now in the, in, in the CFL, you know, kind of what your GM thinks. But he gets his opinions from the coaches a lot of time too. So, you know, there's only so many people who can really criticize your game and can really – I mean, everybody will do it, but there's only so many people who matters when they criticize your game that you really got to listen to. So um, – and, and that goes the same with, uh, you know, saying that you're the next greatest thing because the only thing that matters is, you know, what your teammates think of you, what your coaches think of you. I know that's a little cliche, but I, I learned that lesson probably my senior year in college. And, and now uh, – I take everything with a little bit more grain of salt, man. I don't, I don't really jump into the the things, but you're right. I mean, I think you know, as a player, you always feel like you're getting slept on a little bit. You always think you can do a little bit more, maybe than what you can do, but at least more than what you're doing right now. And and uh, you know, that part of it's fun because you just wait for those opportunities and you work to get to those opportunities. And when you have them, you just take advantage of them. You know. So, so you're saying you don't have a board right now in your place that. Of, of all the bad media members that that says something about you, you're not scratching off lists every time, right? Oh man, you know, you know what's funny is there are certain people who say something about you, and, and I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm on Twitter a little bit, but I don't, I don't follow too much of the uh, the media side of it, right? Um, but you know, at the same time, it is, uh, you know, you know, when guys <laughs> are like, hey, that guy, that guy said some good things about me, and he kind of had my back when other people didn't. And, you know, when that guy was like, yeah, that guy was kind of trashing me. And, and I know, I mean, I, I know exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, that's why when you asked to come on the show, I was like, man, that guy does great work. And uh, not only that, but, you know, he was, you know, helped me out in my in my journey also. So, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't think you hold grudges as much. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you know, other people would ask me something, I mean, like, hey, I'm busy today. Because <laughs> I remember what you said about me that one time. I didn't really appreciate it. So, you know, but, it's, it, yeah, I mean. You know, it's funny. I read that thing uh, on Baker Mayfield with, you know, he's keeping everything in his phone about old tweets and media members and stuff. And I mean, that's just I think that is just something that everybody kind of does, whether it's on your phone, whether it's in your head, whether it's on a whiteboard at your house. You understand, you know, the people who've doubted you. You understand the people who had your back through everything. And, uh, you know, all that stuff sticks with you. And, and that's kind of with everything in life. But, you know, especially in this game where it's, it's often criticized and, and uh, you're often rewarded more, more than you should be all the time. So it, it, it's fun. And, yeah, man, I, I definitely have that. Uh, <laughs> you still have that edge. It, it, when I don't have that edge, I'm going to hang them up. But I still got it. And, and you, you kind of come across new people all the time who are down you. So it's fun to prove them all. But, and, and people don't understand, like, every every player, like, re, I'm 36, right? So I remember mm-hmm. uh, coming up, it was always – it wasn't the online stuff. It was about – what somebody wrote in the newspaper or mm-hmm. what you read in the magazine. Nowadays, I, I don't even know. I probably be one of these guys that would respond to everything on on Twitter or Instagram <laughs> or something like that. 
But you're absolutely right, man. You everybody reads everything or so I always try to tell young guys that's trying to come up in the business or what have you, like, you know, you don't have to be glowing, you don't have to be super critical. Just be fair. And players yeah. nine times out of ten, trust me, we get it from mm-hmm. the coaches. So we know what you know, some of the stuff you're yeah. saying is actually true. Um, right. you know, so just be fair. And if you're fair, then it then it all works out in the end. But that's that's completely true. That's an unbelievable point you just made, Emory, because I think that's all you want. When I play bad, man, I know I play bad. I don't want you to attack me for for every little thing and say this guy now stinks and blah, 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 this. And when I play good, I know I play good. But I, I know I'm not the next, you know, best quarterback to ever come across something that I play one game. So I think the over-dramatization uh, of it is one thing. And then the other thing is, too, be fair about it, man. Because, you know, any player can watches the tape we'll see, I didn't do this what I was supposed to do it, or I did this pretty well. I did this what I was, you know, what I was supposed to do in the situation and all this stuff. So uh, I think that's a great point that probably gets overlooked. I mean, yeah, we live in a, in a culture that, that wants to click on everything and wants to see everything and, and wants to make the headline. And uh, maybe that, that's not always, you know, the best way to do it. In my opinion, I think it's, you know, when you're fair and you grind it out and, and you say the truth about players, players can respect that. And, right, and it and it's and a lot of times player could a player could come and correct you on oh no what you said here was was incorrect but this is what actually happened and then you know it's a teaching moment for both people so you know it's all about being fair and being respectful when you sure. you talked about this a little bit before about you know the whole journey and, and so the fact that you're still playing is, is huge because it shows you have a true love for the game what is it about the game that you love the most you know. It, <laughs> It changes. It's such an amazing game, right? It's such an amazing game that there's so many different parts of the game uh, that you have to work on, man. You know, I mean, you got to keep your body in shape. You got to work out. You got to do all that stuff. Then you got to mentally, you got to be on point on everything on what your reads are, what you're supposed to be looking at, your eye fixes. Your, your, you know, then you go down to the mechanics of throwing the football. Like, there's so many different aspects of football um that you have to be really good at and that you always have time to work on something and you always have you know that that drive to get better at something so you're always trying to prove these little things and it's you know there's so many different things in the game that happen that you learn from all the time so it's a constant growing experience so like when i was young shoot when i was in high school man I just remember thinking, like, I just I, I want to be, you know, like everybody. I want to be really good at this thing. How do I get really good? And I just kept working, working, working. You get to college, you learn a bit more. And then it's just like, man, I, I just want to win. I just want to win these games. I'm in such a good situation here. We're doing all these great things. We're putting up numbers. We're doing all this. I just want to win. I want to win. I want to win. And those things stick with you throughout. And then you kind of you realize now in, in the in the pro ranks, um, I, uh, I kind of learned, you know, the game, you're still learning it. You're still growing it. But, you know, the one thing that is constant throughout all of football is the people that are involved, man. This this kind of brings together an unbelievable group of people, this game does. And and to have, uh, you know, some of the relationships that I've had through through football, through, you know, unbelievable teammates, great coaches, great mentors that I talk to, you know, constantly uh, throughout the journey, man. It's, it's something that now you appreciate more, I think. At, at 26, I can look back and say, man, I was really blessed uh, – with a lot of things, but mostly the people that were in my life and the people that this game brought to my life and the opportunities that this game gave me, man. I, I, I shouldn't have, you know, where I grew up, um, you know, coming out, I didn't, I didn't, you know, have any aspiration in high school to get an Ivy League degree, but because of the game and I was put in that situation where, you know, I was able to go to an unbelievable school and meet some unbelievable people, 
and uh, you know, still have those connections. And Cornell, Cornell has been unbelievable in my life and very instrumental in a lot of different ways. And uh, you know, when you look back at it, man, all these things were kind of brought out by football, all these opportunities, all these uh, relationships. And then, you know, underlying all that is all the personal struggle that you go through to try to reach success. So, I mean, it, it's such an intricate relationship. And I think every every player understands that, you you know, you there's so many parts of the game. There's so many, you know, between relationships to, to your your function on the team, your roles on the team. And they're ever changing. And then, uh, you know, how do you uh, get better at your craft? All these things. Um and they all kind of wind together. And that was fun to be a part of last season when, you know, all these things kind of came together. And it's like, man, you know, we're uh, we want a great cup. So, it, you know, you continue to find new things about the game and, and that keeps you hungry for sure. Man, it, you said it perfectly, dude. I've always asked that question and I've never gotten an answer like that to where people bring up the the, the reasons why and then also tie it into the the, the, the relationships, you know, like the, from the struggles to also why you know, the game is important, and you're right. It has brought in, uh, you know, it, uh, everything that you look around is probably because of football, and it's it's, it's weird to, to really sit back and think, like, damn, that is right. I've, I've traveled to places I probably would have never gone because of football. You know, I found myself in London, Ontario, and it, yep. w- it was only because of football, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. No, yeah. I mean, that, that – you're exactly right, man. Shoot. My first year out was a whirlwind for me because I thought, you know, you, just like every player coming out, you think, man, I'm going to get some on my stick. Man, I didn't stick anyway. So I was, you know, I was <laughs> in Atlanta. I got bounced around a little bit. Uh, got released, went to Indy. Um, was there for a short time. Got released, man. And, and then I was kind of like, man, am I, am I still, you know, am I going to get a shot at this thing? You know, then and that was the year that Arizona had a couple injuries down there. So, you know, six weeks later, they call me up and say, let's go. You know, so like you said, and now I'm up in the CFL, I've, I, you know, I had, you know, I didn't think I would ever be in Canada and driving around Canada and seeing everything and living there for, for an extended amount of time. And, and now I've seen every city, every major city in Canada. And, and, you know, it's cool the way we do, you know, you're on a road for three days a week. So you kind of get to see these cities and you get to go out to dinner at a place and you get to kind of walk around the town and, and see all this stuff and, and get really exposed to these different, uh, you know, the different culture, especially in Canada. It's very similar, similar, but you know, a little different too. So like you said, man, uh, the opportunities, the people, all these things that, you know, when you look back, all came from, you know, me being a high school kid and say, man, I really want to be good at this. I got to keep working. I got to keep working. I keep working. So, um, you know, all that stuff, uh, you know, along with the help of a lot of coaches to help you get better, a lot of teammates to, to make you look good. So all that stuff kind of comes together. When you're older, I think you realize that a little bit more. Jeff, man, I could talk to you for hours, dude. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're a great dude. I'm glad you're doing well. And where can people follow you on social media and also, uh, I guess, yeah, social media, Twitter, your, your Instagram, Facebook stuff, your MySpace. I, I, I'll take guys on Twitter, man. I, I stay out of this social media game, man. Uh, but – I got a Twitter, so, uh, you know, you got that. You can put that out there or whatever. But, it, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's fun. It's fun to, to have interaction with the fans. And, and uh, you know, if social media is done right, it leads to something like this, man. Because, you know, it was fun to look back on all that on, on, and see you because, you know, you're going through all this stuff and you're like, oh, man, Emory, I remember him. And it's good to catch up and talk about it. So it leads to these kind of relationships too, man. And I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you having me on the show. And uh, I'm always willing to help you out because uh, you were great for me. And if there's anything you need, let me know. Appreciate that, man. And listen, um, when does training camp start for you guys? 
we got a mini camp in April, uh, and then uh, training camp starts you know, sometime in May. It'll probably be around May 20th, something like that. Okay, cool. So we'll keep everybody abreast of what's going on in the CFL. And when you guys play Ottawa, please stay away from the Angry Bird. That's my old college teammate, Kyrie Sabre. Uh, he's still <laughs> playing. I'm so, I'm Kyrie's, <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you, that guy is an animal. He's been an animal forever. And, exactly. Uh, he hit me. I, I, I was playing up there. He hit me so hard. He split my tongue open, and I played like half a game without like my tongue split almost in half. I bit a huge chunk out of it. So every time I see that guy, I'm like, man, you really messed up my tongue, man. <laughs> but he, hey, that guy's an animal, man. He's doing well. He's a great player up here. Yeah, I can't. I still can't believe he's a year older than me. I'm like, you, you're still playing. I, I cannot believe you're still in in great shape like that. But. You know, yeah. that's why he and still he, brings it. Every right. game. You watch film of that guy like he's killing people. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, Jeff, appreciate you taking time, man. And I wish you the best luck moving forward. Thanks, Emery. Let me know if you need anything. I really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate everything you do for the game. And, uh, you know, all, all your content's uh, top notch. So I appreciate watching it. Well, I appreciate that, man. Good luck this year. Thanks, Emery.